From Sacramento, the Bishop's Radio Hour with Bob Dunning. Focusing on today's issues in the context of gospel values. Now, here's Bob Dunning on Relevant Radio. That's me. Welcome to you on this beautiful day the Lord has made. We appreciate you all being with us on the Bishop's Hour. This is indeed the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And we're glad to be looking across the table at uh, Jerry Delcor, the CEO of Catholic Funeral and Cemetery Services. Good to see you, Jerry. Bob, great to see you again. Yeah, so much, uh, so much going on as we move into into the Advent season and uh, toward the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Uh, a busy time for you folks, or or I know you you plan a lot of events this time of year. Uh, we do plan a lot of events this time of year, but I will tell you, unfortunately, it is a very busy season for us uh, between people sort of overeating, sometimes over drinking. Sometimes family stress, sometimes right. accidents, uh, sometimes people just give up as we go through the holidays. Uh, the holidays tend to be a very busy season for funeral homes and for cemeteries. Yeah, it's well documented, isn't it? The, 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 from especially Thanksgiving and Christmas, those are the uh, toughest t- times for some people. They are. Uh, it, it's unfortunate, but uh, a lot of families do have to deal with you know, planning a funeral or, or planning a uh, burial uh, this time of the year. Uh, as much as we you know, don't want to see that happen, uh, it, it's part of the reality. Uh, I know when I started uh, probably almost eight years ago now, uh, and I was told that it gets busy, I thought that was really, really odd. Really odd, yeah. A- and I will tell you that this year, uh, after Thanksgiving weekend, it started and it was really busy. And it's been that way every year prior to it that I've been aboard. Well, well, I think of my own my own father, December the eighth. Um, mm-hmm. It was his death, and uh, uh, I remember my mother always felt that that was a very special day because you know it was a feast of Immaculate Conception, mm-hmm. and uh, but it was uh, yeah you know and it started on Thanksgiving. It, it just you know he could, didn't wake up and was in a coma and and. Lived for 13 days and and then died. You know, your story uh, sounds really similar to what I went through with my dad. Uh, he fell uh, in the bathroom uh, right before Thanksgiving, uh, and on January 12th, after the holidays, he passed away. Yeah. Uh, he you know, went into the hospital, uh, seemed to have those moments where it seemed like everything was going to turn around and be okay, and it, it never quite happened. And yeah, really I, I, you know, it's, it's interesting because this was you know, this is a number of years ago, but now they, they, they say, well, if a person may be unconscious, they may be hearing what's going on, so don't talk smack. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and uh, uh, I promise but, we didn't do that with my dad. <laughs> <laughs> no, we didn't either. But I remember my dad was in a coma for 13 days, and, and his vitals were starting to decline. And um, and there was. there were the, You'd go up and down thinking he was going to break out of it. But one day, uh, our... our uh, pastor of Monsignor Coffee from uh, St. James and Davis, he came to visit, and uh, longtime parishioners, of course, and and uh, and I said to my dad, I said, Dad, Father Coffee's here. He wonders why you haven't been in Mass, and he giggled. My dad <laughs> giggled, and I was stunned. I was just stunned. That's a great story. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so... You never know what's going on. Yes, but it, yes. it it actually gave me a lot of solace to think that he had his sense of humor. Mm-hmm. He wasn't 
apparently in a bad state physically in terms of he wasn't in pain and stuff because you probably don't giggle very much when you're in pain. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was it gave me great solace. It does to this day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, know, uh, you mentioned uh, uh, events, and one of the events that we're most proud of, uh, and if anyone has lost a loved one around the holidays, you know right. how difficult right. those days are, along with birthdays and anniversaries. Uh, but that you know, first Christmas in particular can be very difficult. And we really encourage families who have lost a loved one, particularly if this is their first year without their loved one, to come join us uh, on um, Wednesday, December 6th. Mm-hmm. We're going to be hosting what will be our 22nd annual wow. Remembrance Tree and Christmas Vigil. And this is a really special event that we do at St. Mary Cemetery mm-hmm. and Funeral Center. It's on Fruit uh, Ridge. Uh, on, on Fruit Ridge here in Sacramento uh, at Calvary Cemetery and Funeral Center up right. in Citrus Heights. Right, right off of uh, 80 and Greenback. 7100 Verner Avenue. Correct. Right. And then uh, also at All Soul Cemetery and Funeral Center down in Vallejo. Right. So that's uh, off of 780, uh, really off Glen Cove Road. Glen Cove, right. And what we do is, you know, starting uh, the Friday after Thanksgiving and running through uh, that event, we ask people to come by and to pick up a plastic Christmas ornament. Mm-hmm. You we, have the ornaments. We, we have the ornaments. Mm-hmm. They're free for everybody. You come to our office and we ask people to decorate. Mm-hmm. And people will often put in photos of their loved one. Some people will write notes to their loved one. Some will make special designs for their loved one. And we do a special decorating from 4.30 until about 6 o'clock. Okay. And at 6.30, we actually start our vigil service. And this is simultaneously at all three. Yeah. So you have three separate services, but at the same time. Yes, yeah. th- that yeah. is correct. Right. And I-, I will tell you, it's one of the most special events that we do is my favorite personally. Uh, you know, I decorate a, an ornament for my dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I bring my mom with me right. uh, <laughs> whenever she's up for it. And uh, at 6.30, we do a vigil. And a big part of the vigil is what we call our blessing of the trees. And what we've done is we've asked families to hang their ornaments on our Christmas trees that we have set up right. at, at the uh, chapels inside our funeral centers. And father, if father for each of the several right. ones comes, and they bless the ornaments. Very nice. And then people have the option of taking their ornament home and keeping it on their tree, sure. or keep it with us at sure. the cemetery in the funeral centers. Right. Um, I will tell you that the uh, adventures get pre-packed, uh, so we, we encourage people to come early, yeah. know, get a good seat, sit close to people because we're going to pack you in tight. Yeah. Uh, yep. our, our chapels are you know generally a lot smaller than a typical. Right church well you don't so, have to turn the heat on no we don't <laughs> no, no, no we don't yeah. you know uh, a couple of years we've tried doing decorating the ornaments outside and the weather hasn't always cooperated oh. so uh, we, we do it all inside now uh, but we have plenty of uh overflow room uh for everybody so it's a really great event that's wonderful i've heard heard wonderful things about it for sure yeah so tell us uh, just um what services you offer i mean it's pretty Obvious from the title, but it really isn't for a lot of people. Yeah, you know, thank you for asking that. You know, Bob, uh, the first thing we do, for, first and foremost, is our, our corporal work of mercy right. is really about burying the dead. Right. And, you know, when you think about it, you know, the Catholic Church has been burying the dead for 2,000 years. Right. So it's, it's nothing that's new for the Catholic Church. 
uh, in the diocese here in Sacramento, we've been doing it for over 150 years. Right. Uh, our oldest cemeteries actually date back to 1857. Oh, I've, I've walked through some of these cemeteries and uh, said a few prayers, and you see... 1852 and uh, maybe a two-year-old from Ireland or something. Mm -hmm. And it just, you know, it breaks your heart 170 years later, you yeah. know, to, to see. Uh, and then some uh, much, much older, you know, and you you, you see families. You see, you, you can almost tell the ethnicity based on, on you know, the last name, you know, and, and what part of... Uh, uh, North America they were from, what part of Europe they were from, uh, even some from Africa, Asia, I mean, from all the continents except Antarctica. I don't think we've got any from Antarctica. Not, not, not that I but, know of. Uh, <laughs> but it, it's just, it's a, a walk through history. It, it, it is. You know, cemeteries do share history. Uh, the cemetery right behind us here, right. St. Joseph Cemetery right. in downtown uh, Sac, uh, if you go through there, you know, we have a priest circle. Mm -hmm. And the pre-circle, if you look at the dates on them, many of them are from the 18, late 1800s. And most of those and, names will be Irish. Uh, uh, well, yes. Yeah. And, and if you go through, you see lots of priests that are Irish, mm -hmm. lots of families that were right. Irish back then. And then you can see where the Portuguese uh, uh -huh. influence mm -hmm. comes in and, and how it really changes uh, throughout the cemetery. And it's true of all cemeteries. Right. Uh, right. You know, in some ways... You want to get them sort of a historical designation yeah. uh, f for people to really understand. And it, and it goes back in large part for us of why we try and keep families together. Right. A and I think we do a pretty good job of that. Uh, in some of our cemeteries, we have you know, ethnic sections that mm -hmm. are broken out. Uh, at St. Mary's Cemetery here, uh, we have a Vietnamese section. Mm -hmm. We have a Korean section. Right. Uh, we actually have a Russian Orthodox section yeah. that, that's inside the yeah. cemetery, which surprises some folks. But you know, going back to the biggest thing we do is you know really burying the dead, and the second part is our sort of spiritual work of mercy sure. is comforting the sorrowful, right. and and it's hard. It, it, it's hard work. Uh, our folks try their best to meet the needs of people every day, and you know, every day it's a different challenge. I would think, because uh, each person's unique, and each family's yes. unique. Mm -hmm. You know, 20, 30 years ago, uh, when someone passed away, they typically called their pastor, and everything was said, this is how you're going to do it. You know, today, it's much more personalized. People now tell you what they want, and our funeral directors and funeral arrangers are really tasked with trying to make that happen. And the analogy that we use is, you know, a wedding planner is mm -hmm. kind of an equivalent. A wedding planner typically has about a year to put that whole thing together. Uh, our folks generally have about a week or two. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, and, and it's every detail. It's from you know, picking a decedent up. It's to preparing the body. It's you know, dressing the body. And dressing means hair, makeup, you know, fingernails. Right. Uh, what shoes or what suit you're going to wear. Uh, you know, what dress you're going to put, what jewelry mom is going to wear. A and from there, building out, you know, what flowers are you going to have? What is your program going to look like? You know, what photos are you going to use? Uh, and then it's making decisions about what services would the decedent want. And most of our families will have what we call a traditional Catholic mm -hmm. funeral. 
And the traditional Catholic funeral is a vigil. Mm -hmm. uh, it's usually one or two days. Uh, the vigil is where someone comes and pays their respects. Right. Uh, it, it's often uh, surprising at, at a vigil to see how people come in and share stuff that the family didn't know. Yeah, you know, I, yeah. think, I think back when uh, my father passed away, uh, he had been a New York City police lieutenant, and he retired, and a bunch of his former cops showed up, and they started telling stories that my mom and I and my brother had <laughs> never heard, uh, some that were a little embarrassing, actually. Right, sure. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, you know, it's a great way for you to still feel the presence sure. of your loved one, for us, for my dad. Sure. You know, second is really the funeral liturgy. It's the funeral mass, uh, and really, out of all the Catholic masses, it's one of the most beautiful ones. And yeah, as a family, you, know, you get to make decisions like which readings you would like, mm -hmm. which songs you would like, a and we often encourage people in our pre-planning to have that conversation so you know. So is this something you're doing as opposed to the the, the parish? Yes. Or, the, or in conjunction? How does that work? Well, uh, you know, before I answer that, I want, want to take the, yep. the, the third step is after the funeral liturgy, funeral mass, is the actual committal or, sure. or the burial. Sure. And again, uh, what we do is we work with the family to decide how and where they want their loved one remembered. Mm -hmm. uh, going back to your question is we, we typically work with the parish. Mm -hmm. Uh, w what we try and do is we want people to have their funeral mass at their parish. Right. You know, that's where th they've spent sure. their Catholic re religious life. That's okay. where that whole community is, and it makes it easy. Um, sometimes uh, families don't want to do that. They want to be at one of our cemeteries, mm -hmm. uh, and we have chapels there. So you will so, do a funeral mass at the at the cemetery if if that's what the family wants. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So a family has a choice. Uh, you know, it, it's interesting. I talked you know, previously. You know, people would call their pastor you know, sure. 25, 30 years ago. Today, it's a point of frustration for our parishes when they're not contacted. And today, you know, because so much is done either at a hospital or at mm -hmm. a hospice, they're calling a funeral home first. Right. And you know, part of why we have funeral homes was a decision by Bishop Soto about a decade ago. And he thought it is a better way for us to serve our Catholic community. Mm -hmm. And that's really what we work on doing. So uh, besides handling people when they pass away, the more important part is we try and get people to have a plan. Mm -hmm. We want them to think about what they want. And the most frustrating thing that one of our staff can go through is when a funeral director is sitting with a family and the brother says, well, you know, we're going to cremate mom. And then the sister looks at him and goes, no mom way. never said anything about cremation to me. We're not going to do that. Yep. And from our end, we don't make that decision. Right. <laughs> that is a family decision. Right. And the truth is that mom should have made that decision. Sure. A and mom probably did make that decision. And they just either they and don't remember it or she didn't really transmit it. And, exactly. And I, I, I know from our own experience, um, sometimes one sibling lives in the same town as the as, as mom and dad, I, that happened to be me, other siblings are all over the country. They all come flying in and, 
and it, 15 years since anybody had that conversation. They said, oh, no, I think mom wanted this. And I go, well, gee, I talked to mom three days ago. And it's, it, 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 can re, it can lead to conflict. There's no question. It, it, it can, and it's interesting because you know, I think back to when my dad first told me that he wanted to be cremated. And I got to say, I was shocked. Yeah, yeah. He, he was probably in his early 80s at that point. And, and, and was, in his generation, that was not very common. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And I remember asking him, are you sure? Mm-hmm. And he's like, yes. And I was like, why? Mm-hmm. And he said, well, you know, it's better for the environment. And it's really not. <laughs> because, you know, when, when you're cremating somebody, yeah. it's not really environmentally friendly. Uh, but in his mind, it was. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we cremated him. And my mom says now she wants to be cremated when her time comes. Uh, and she likes to tell me, and I know you'll do the right thing. And she's right, I will. <laughs> but it, it, it's a different mindset today. But for us, we want people to have a plan, and we help them with that. Uh, and then to share where they keep that plan. Because to have the plan and to keep it amongst themselves. Hopefully written out. Oh, yeah, that's what we talked yeah, about. Yeah. Written out and, and decided. Do you have forms for them that, that, that to kind of help them along or guidelines? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. we actually have a, a free booklet. Uh-huh. Uh, so uh, people can you know come in, pick it up, or, or sit down with one of our folks and go through it. Uh, and, and you could fill it out in as much or as little detail as you want. Uh, it goes beyond, if you want, funeral and cemetery services. You, know, you can put things down like, you know, uh, where's the deed to the house, uh, your bank record information right. today, passwords for the right. computers sure. and things oh, like brother. that. You know, yeah. it, it keeps evolving. Uh, but we have some people who will do a minimal amount. We have some people who are so detailed, it, it makes everything, you know, move smoothly because it's all answered. Some people will pick pallbearers. You know, some people will design their memorial marker, their headstone. Sure. Uh, so it, it's really interesting to see how everybody approaches it. Uh, a lot of families today, uh, because people are living so much longer, are doing this so they don't leave a burden mm-hmm. for the family sure. behind. Sure. And if from our end, we loved seeing when families have planned something 30, 40 years ago, and they've paid just this tiny, tiny amount, yeah. which, you know, today is, you know, 20, you know, sure. 50 times more sure. than what they did, uh, which I'm sure when they purchased it, it was expensive. Right. Uh, but by today's standards, not. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. A- and that's really beneficial for the family. Uh, I'm uh, always smiling when, you know, a-, a son or a daughter will say, oh gosh, my dad was so smart. He planned all this out. Yeah. <laughs> and-, and in many ways, he is. And he's done, uh, we, we refer to it almost as giving a gift mm-hmm. uh, because that way the family can focus on the grieving and on the healing versus trying to figure out, you know, what color casket right. does dad want. Right. Because in the grand scheme of things, that's not what's most important. Sure. What's most important is, you know, remembering the life that you shared and keeping that life uh, alive and going. You know, er, er, early when we first started, I said that you know part of our goal is to keep families together, and at many of our cemeteries, uh, families have lots of relatives in right. areas, and it's great when you walk in to the cemetery 
and you see flowers all over the place. Mm-hmm. You see families standing there. And we try to make the cemeteries as welcoming as we can. Uh, I know we don't you know, make everybody happy all the time because we have rules and regulations. Sure. Uh, but, you know, we encourage people to come and to start decorating for Christmas. You know, uh, our Christmas window starts on December 9th, and it, it carries till uh, the week after uh, New Year's. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's beautiful. I mean, you see the cemetery decorated in lots of red, lots of green. Uh, but inside that, I will say we've had times where people have put up six and eight foot Christmas trees. Not okay. <laughs> no, not okay. Yeah. Well, you know, sure. uh, you get a windy day, it blows down. It, sure. You know, lands on other people's locations. So, you know, we have requirements uh, that we ask people to abide by, which is nothing over 18 inches in height, uh, that, you know, it needs to be centered on your marker, not on other people's stuff. Um, But, you know, the the cemetery, it's beautiful at Christmas. Uh, If, you know, people come to our remembrance tree and candlelight vigil service, and they walk into our funeral home or into our mausoleums, and you see them decorated for Christmas, it, it's beautiful. It's really warm. It's, it's, it's uplifting. And, and that's what we really want because that's how we want you to remember your loved ones. Absolutely. Very well said. It, so, you know, we talked at the start about the different cemeteries and seeing headstones. And, and is it disrespectful in any way to – I remember going to a cemetery up in Virginia City in Nevada. Oh, my gosh. Talk about history. And it's, it's like a tourist attraction to this old cemetery. And, and I don't want to be voyeuristic or, or uh, you know, disrespectful in any way, but you feel like, especially with, with kids, that you know, teenagers especially, there's a lot of history here. Mm-hmm. You know, there are a lot of people came before you. It's a, it's a good teaching moment, but you don't want to be – are, are there protocols there? Is there is there a, a line that shouldn't be crossed? Is it okay to, because we have a, a number of historic cemeteries in Sacramento, including mm-hmm. our own. Yes, you and you ask kind of a loaded question. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you and a cemetery is really to be a sanctuary. Yeah, it's where you're supposed to come and pay respects. Today, I think we all know that people are less respectful than sure, ever. Sure, and we do suffer from some of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, c- cemeteries in some ways are a sanctuary for homeless people. Sure. And that, that's an ongoing challenge for us sure. and, and for really all cemeteries. You know, if you think about it, you know, many homeless people just want a place that's sort of safe and secure. Sure. So a cemetery is typically locked at night. Right. We typically have running water. Right. You could be alone so you can hang out somewhere. Right. Right. Uh, but, you know, the, they do other stuff. Sure. And we're responsible for the cleanup of all that sure. other stuff. And it, it, it's it's a hard balance. Yeah. It, it's, you know, uh, like any of the areas that you see where they're homeless. Right. Uh, we have some people who are pretty disrespectful. Uh, you know, occasionally there'll be, you know, some graffiti, some damage. Uh, and we try our best, you know, to work with the families to help correct that and right. to minimize it. Um, you know, we have cemeteries where we have security there. Sure. Uh, you know they can't cover the entire cemetery all sure. the time, right? But it's meant to be a bit of a deterrent. And you encourage families though to come visit. Uh, and most cemeteries are open during the daytime. A- absolutely, uh, yeah. yeah. We are open uh, 
uh, essentially 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. in the winter hours, 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. in summertime hours. So essentially it's it's during daylight hours we're open. Seven days a week. Seven days a week, yeah. 365 days a year. Yeah. Um, Sunday is usually the busiest day. Yeah, uh, I believe a it. Lot, yeah. a lot of people come after their Sunday services, sure. uh, which is always great to see. Uh, sometimes it almost looks like it's a picnic in a park. Yeah, uh, yeah. We have so many people. Uh, occasionally people, I will tell you, play music way too loud. Mm-hmm. Uh, we discourage it. Uh, but, you know, it's one of those things that's it's an ongoing battle, let's say. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So yeah. you have to deal with the, I mean, there, there are, you know, rules and regulations that the Catholic Church has. But you also have to deal with the state, the county maybe even the feds, as far as I know, in terms of how you handle the body, how what you do, what you don't do. Mm. So uh, it, it's sort of two different answers. On the funeral side, it's highly regulated. Uh, because we're a religious organization, cemetery, we're not regulated by the city, the county, the state. Okay. Now, that said... They don't want both- to cross that line. Uh, that, that religious state line. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, from our end, uh, a body is treated with the utmost care and respect. Right. Um, you know, I, I've seen how we handle uh, when someone passes away and we have to pick them up, whether it's from a home or a hospice care or a senior center or, or a hospital, or even the coroner. Uh, very respectful, you know, um, when I think of how we are in our prep area, uh, when we're getting a body ready, uh, again, I think we're very respectful. You know, it's all very private. Um, I think we do a really good job of doing that. Uh, but I, I think most funeral homes, if not all, do that yeah. as well. You know, the people who choose that as a profession, uh, it, it takes a unique person to be able to do that. I was going to say. And I'll tell you, I... I, I probably couldn't do that as my chosen profession. But you know, I think of the people that we have that work with us, and we have a really experienced crew. They've been with us for a long time. They've been doing it for a long time. And they, more often than not, get high compliments. You know, occasionally, you know, you have somebody who doesn't think that the makeup on mom looks like the way mom should. Right, right. But, you know, our goal is to show the, the, their loved one as someone resting. Someone right. who's at, at peace, right. uh, and that's what we want most of all, and that's what they strive for. You know, most of the, uh, you know, we call them a mortician, or uh, they, they would tell you that they're almost they're artists. Yeah. They want your loved one to be beautiful, right? And that's right. What, what they shoot for. You know, occasionally I'll see an ad for you know uh, somebody in your in your department that needs needs an employee. What are you looking for when you when you are hiring? Mm-hmm. Well. Uh, I think first and foremost is we want someone who is Catholic, has a, an understanding of w- what our ministry is about. So, you know, we, we said earlier, you know, one is burying the dead, two is comforting the sorrowful. So right. you need to have a high amount of compassion. Uh, you know, in the you know, seven and a half years I've been CEO, we've more than doubled our size. Wow. So we're, we're now over uh, 135 employees. Uh, but as we added you know, the St. Mary Funeral Center and we added the uh, Calvary Funeral Center, and now we're 
just at the very beginning of working for the All Souls mm-hmm. uh, Funeral Center, uh, our volume has increased. So we have more groundsmen than ever before. We have more funeral directors and funeral right. arrangers right. and funeral service people than ever before. But it, it, if someone has a big heart and they are able to show compassion, uh, we could probably find a spot for them. Oh. Uh, we could probably find a spot. Now, th- there are certain things that are licensed, so you can't come in and sure. say, hey, I want to be an embalmer. Right. But you have to be right. licensed. You, know, you can't be a funeral director until you've passed the state exam. So there are certain things, but there are plenty of spots, not all entry-level spots, but even mid-level spots, where you don't have to have a lot of experience mm-hmm. and you could fit in. You know, all our stuff is available. It's on our website right. uh, in unemployment. It's also under the diocese website, okay. the scd.org backslash employment. Uh, and then you just go down to Catholic Funeral and Cemetery Services. So what's the what's the toughest part of your job? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, I hope none of our uh, priests are listening, but it's keeping our, our, our clergy happy. Uh, you know, ultimately, you know, we're, we're responsible to Bishop Soto, uh, to his pastors, and we try like crazy to try and keep our clergy happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone is unique. So what one says to do, another one might say, might say don't, yeah. don't, don't do, and we're constantly trying to balance yeah. <laughs> that. Uh uh, and I mean it in, in a good way. You know, uh, m- most of our priests have been just so supportive of us, helping us with funerals, helping us with committals. Um, you know, an example is this, you know, Remembrance Tree and Christmas video sure. that's coming up. We have three priests who have agreed to come on a Wednesday night at, sure. right, <laughs> at 6.30 right. to come do a vigil for us. Um, but, you know, uh, our view on it is we want to get people, we want to get families to come. Sure. And we try and give people reasons to come. Right. And our goal is for them to stay connected to their family. Sure. So, you know, we, we do the stuff that you would expect where you would have a, you know, Veterans Day Mass right. or, you know, an All Souls Day Mass. Beyond that, we do some stuff that's sort of not as typical. And that could be where we, you know, have classes where we show people how to clean memorial markers. We have uh-huh. headstones. Uh, we have a, a Dia de los Muertos uh, celebration that is mm-hmm. at St. Mary's in particular, very big. Uh, it's been going for 48 years. Wow! And it, it gets coverage a- every year. You know, do you do that on November one or November two? We do. Yeah. yeah. It's actually a two day. It can be, I guess. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I looked it up this year because I saw a date not from like in the newspaper or something. I said, it didn't sound right. I thought it was the second, but they actually said it could start on the first. Well, so, right. So technically, uh, it starts on All Souls Day, which is so, the second. Right. right. And, and uh, our All Souls Day, and we're fortunate at, at St. Mary, you know, Bishop Soto comes and says right. Mass. Uh, we actually have some of our parishes that come, and they do masses. So th- their you know parishioners come join them right, there. Right. Right. Uh, you know, our, our largest one is probably our uh, Vietnamese Martyrs Parish. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a huge turnout <laughs> that, that comes out every year. Uh, they've actually already come and reserved their date and time for oh, next really? year. Okay. Yes, <laughs> they, they want to be on the calendar. 
Uh, we have some of our parishes that come out and they honor some of uh, the priests who have passed away that are in our priest circle f- that have served their parish. Oh, wow. They come out and say yeah, sure to them. Sure. Uh, and, and then our Dia de los Muertos uh, event is just a, a fun celebration. You know, we, we have caught on occasion some slack from people who are upset that we have like Aztec dancers there. They don't think it's appropriate. Uh, they will tell us that, you know, it's a pagan ritual. You know, we argue back that, you know, Santa Claus is a pagan ritual, uh, true. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, uh, but our goal is to respectfully honor the cultures. Sure. And sure. that way, in turn, keep those families, you know, coming to visit their loved ones. I flip the question around. What's the most satisfying job, part, part of your job? <laughs> you know what, I, being on the radio. Of course. <laughs> well, for, as you know, from both of our histories, right? Yes, right, right. Uh, you know what? It, it's interesting. Was, I, I think back to when I accepted this position, and I, I thought it would be interesting. I never thought it would be as fulfilling as it is. And to me, that's mm. the best part. Uh, I, I know it probably sounds odd to anybody who's out there listening that you work at a funeral home, you work at a cemetery, how can it be fulfilling? It, it, you know, you're almost expecting it to be draining. Right. But I, I will tell you, seeing families that are well cared for, families that are, are pleased, um, it means a lot. Yeah. It, it means a lot to all of our employees. When someone gets an email or a text or a phone call or a written letter uh, thanking them, it's huge. Yeah. It's really huge. Because a lot of our people do put their heart and their soul into taking care of families. And, and it, it's hard when you do it every day, eight hours a day, five days a week. Sure. Um, and, and, you know, families can be demanding. You know, so, some, you know, for the right reason, some for the wrong reason. But, you know, it, it, they can be demanding. We're with Jerry Delcora, CEO of Catholic Funeral and Cemetery Services. Jerry, very quickly, uh, Go through the the December sixth again, just so everybody has the times and dates down. Sure, Th- thank you again for that, Bob. So uh, December sixth, we do our Remembrance Tree and Christmas Vigil. This is year number twenty two. Uh, we will host it at St. Mary Cemetery and Funeral Center, which is on Fruit Ridge here and Sixty Fifth Street Expressway in Sacramento. Uh, we also will hold it simultaneously at Calvary Cemetery and Funeral Center. Uh, that's Greenback in 80. Technically, it's on Verna Road just mm-hmm. off of Greenback. You can see it if you're driving on right, a- 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 right. 80. Yep. Uh, and then we also do it at All Soul Cemetery and Funeral Center in Vallejo. Uh, it's right off of 780 on Glen Cove Road. Uh, it, it's an event that starts with ornament decorating, which is optional, particularly if you have your ornaments already. Uh, but we do that starting at 430. Uh, people can pick up their ornaments starting today mm-hmm. uh, or been just going at, on. The, at, at the cemetery a, at, at the mm-hmm. cemetery they just walk up to the reception desk and they'll be happy to give it to them uh, and then we do uh, a vigil uh, we have a full vigil that we do and part of the vigil is our blessing of the ornaments mm-hmm. so when people decorate their ornaments they can either hold on to them or they can place them on our tree right. uh, they get blessed by our priest who's doing the service and then they have to make the choice of do they take it home for their sure. Christmas tree or do they keep it on ours? Right. Uh, and many, many people keep them at, at ours. Right. Uh, but it's, it, again, it's my favorite 
event that we do for the year, and I think uh, a favorite event for many of the people who come join us. Hopefully, uh, if you're out there, you'll come join us. Very good. Jerry, always a joy to see you. Uh, blessings for a merry and holy Christmas to you and your family Same and to you, all Bob. your Thank employees. You. Thank you very much. Thank you for coming. Uh, we'll take a quick break. We'll be back with more on the Bishop's Hour right after this. This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the St. Vincent de Paul Society. Drop by and shop at the thrift store, a beautiful, beautiful thrift store at 2275 Watt Avenue. Open Mondays through Saturdays from 10 to 8 and Sundays from 11 to 6. They also accept donations at the store, donations of furniture, appliances, clothing, books, everyday household items. Your donations help to fund the many projects of the St. Vincent de Paul Society throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. Do such wonderful, wonderful work, and the thrift store is uh, one of the the ways they uh, raise the funds to help people throughout the diocese, and also uh, uh, many of their clients are able to access the uh, thrift store for uh, items that they need. You can uh, give them a call. They will come pick it up as well, but you can uh, give them a call. They're at 916-972-1212. And remember, again, the thrift store is open uh, seven days a week at 2275 Watt Avenue right here in Sacramento. Well, Bishop Soto refers to Christ the King Retreat Center as the jewel of the diocese, and indeed it is. What a beautiful oasis it is. It's located in the Citrus Heights, uh, right in the hustle and bustle of the city, and you feel like you're getting away from it all when you uh, turn off the main road and just uh, uh, come into Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center. Christ the King has served Northern California and the Diocese of Sacramento for over 60 years through parish weekend retreats, individual spiritual direction, and a variety of other programs. For information on all the programs that they offer, including residential programs, give them a call. They're at 916-725-4720, or you can visit them at 6520 Van Maren Lane in Citrusites. And we certainly thank uh, the St. Vincent de Paul Society and Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center for their fine and long-standing support of the Bishop's Hour. This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the Mercy Foundation enriching lives in the Sacramento region through Sisters of Mercy Ministries in health care, education, housing, and the care for the poor and elderly. For the Mercy Foundation, philanthropy is one of the most powerful expressions of compassion and love. Just as many people in our community need a hand, countless others are reaching out to them with comfort and hope. You can express your care and concern for the less fortunate with a gift to the Mercy Foundation. Uh, you can give them a call, 916-851-2700. That's 916-851-2700. And you can be confident that fully 100% of your contribution will support the Sisters of, ministry of Mi Mercy Ministry or ministries that you choose. And what a wonderful treasure Easter's Catholic Books and Gifts has been for all of us here in the diocese as they uh, uh, transition uh, into uh, uh, new ownership and management. Uh, they continue to offer wonderful workshops, wonderful uh, uh, resources for the Catholic community throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. Not only does Easter's provide a wide array of Catholic books, both current releases and longtime classics, but they also sponsor a number of valuable workshops and lectures throughout the year. They're, they're located at 6916 Sunrise Boulevard in Citrus Heights. Give them a call, 916-338-7272. 
We also receive a generous underwriting support by Crumley & Associates, a private wealth advisory practice of America Ameriprise Financial Services. If you have questions about retirement, Crumley & Associates can help you with their confident retirement approach that can help define a clear roadmap to get you where you want to go. You can uh, contact them, get all the details at Crumley & Associates, 7956 California Avenue in Fair Oaks. They're at 916-638-4600. That's 916-638-4600. And we uh, are, are certainly uh, appreciative of the uh, fine and uh, longstanding support of the Mercy Foundation, of Easter's Catholic Books and Gifts, and of Crumley and Associates. Uh, this is Bishop William K. Regan, the Bishop Emeritus of Sacramento, and you're listening to the Bishop's Hour with Bob Denning. Thank you, Bishop Wiegan, for that wonderful introduction and for all you have done and continue to do here for our great Diocese of Sacramento. The Bishop's Hour, which we started in 1999, we're in our 25th year now, was uh, the, the great idea from uh, Bishop Wiegand and has been carried on uh, tremendously by Bishop Soto as well. So thank you, Bishop Wiegand, for that uh, wonderful introduction. Well, we're pleased to welcome in uh, Elizabeth Frey Thomas, who is the director of the Mother Teresa Maternity Home in the great city of Placerville up in the foothills in El Dorado County. Elizabeth, good day to you. Hi. Thanks. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate you uh, uh, being with us. Tell us a little bit about uh, the home. So we are a residential home for pregnant women in Texas and in business. I guess we, we are having some uh, connectivity problems with Elizabeth here. So let us... Uh, let us let us uh, figure this out, and uh, we'll 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 go from there. I should remind you that uh, a couple of things to put on the calendar in the in the next year: the Deus Vocat Retreat for Girls, ages 13 to 17, will take place April 26 to 28, and it's just circle the date now. And uh, it is uh, uh, they can learn about uh, religious orders, consecrated life, married life, time for prayer, fellowship, games, and more. Uh, it all takes place up at uh, Trinity Pines Catholic Center up in uh, uh, Colfax, a beautiful facility there, 28,000 Rollins Lake Road in Colfax. Also, uh, a similar retreat, the Quo Vadis retreat for boys aged 13 to 17. Uh, again, circle the date, August 2 to 4 uh, in, uh, up in, in Trinity Pines as well. I believe we have, uh, we have Elizabeth Frey Thomas back on. Are you with us, Elizabeth? I am. There you go. You sound great. Thank you. Thank you for uh, oh, great. for <laughs> for uh, bearing with us there. Uh, uh, just proves we're live radio, I guess. <laughs> so tell us a little <laughs> bit about about the Mother Teresa Maternity Home in Placerville. We are a residential facility for pregnant women in crisis. So women who are experiencing homelessness or uh, domestic violence or some of them have sobriety issues, and we provide them a space to live in safety and security while they continue their pregnancy, and then we connect them with durable support in our community so that when they leave us three months after the baby is born, um, they are ready to be out back in our community and successful. Is, is this similar in scope and uh, uh, goals to the uh, 
Bishop Gallegos Maternity Home down in uh, Sacramento? Yes, we absolutely are. We um, we actually will refer to each other because we we meet the same women, just in slightly different sets of the community. Um, we have been in uh, in Placerville for 25 years this month, and I think they've been around just a little bit longer than we have. Yeah, just just a tiny bit. Yeah, but very very similar. Yeah. Uh, so is it an arm of St. Patrick's? Did it start in St. Patrick's or? We, we began, actually, um, there were some women, Jane Muser and Lucille Mossbacher, were the mm-hmm. real spearheads of it 25 years ago. Jane is actually still with our, our um, facility. Um, but they recognized the need in our area, up you know, out closer east of, of Sacramento, and went to Father Sullivan, Father John Sullivan, mm-hmm. who just passed away last month. Um, he was the pastor at St. Patrick's at the time and had the convent up for sale. And so he took the convent off the market and um, offered it to our facility. And we're still in that same convent. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right across the street from St. Patrick's. Right, right, kind of on. I, I love Flasterville. It's got all these little hills. And uh, I remember going to Mass there prior to a uh, vocations dinner was held up there oh, four or five years ago. And I was with, with uh, sure. one, of, one of my teenage daughters and we, we parked a, a block or two from the church and we walked around and we kept saying, where's, where's the entrance? Where's the entrance to this church? <laughs> it, was, it was great. It was, it it's, was... A, it's one of the best kept secrets on the Hill. For sure. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's such a, such tremendous history too in, in Placerville and, and St. Patrick's. Back when... Yeah, we have uh, we have a, a wonderful community, and um, we are very lucky to be well supported by the community as well. The uh, the entire entirety of El Dorado County has been very supportive, but Placerville in particular, we are quite lucky to to be in in the space that we are because we are well supported. Yeah, it's it's interesting to me because you know the Bishop Gaius Maternity Home is serving sort of all of Sacramento County or anybody you know down here in the valley, if you will. Um, Placerville much smaller, but you're serving, uh, you're probably serving people all the way down to Roseville and all the way up to Lake Tahoe. We are, and we we actually draw even further from there. Um, we, I'm not sure if this is still the case, but um, several years ago when I came in as director, Bishop Gallegos was accepting in third trimester, and they may have loosened that up again, but I think it was partially because they were so impacted. Mm-hmm. Um, we will accept women from from as soon as they know that they're pregnant. Mm-hmm. So um, they can come in even in the first trimester, and if they can stay for that three months after the baby's born, that really means that they're with us for almost a year, which is it's kind of nice for us because we are able to really um, significantly connect them with with uh, all kinds of different services and opportunities in the community that help them be successful. Are, are, are they necessarily homeless at the time? No, but I would say that um, a good portion of our um, residents do come from, they may be precariously housed, mm-hmm. you know, living with, with a friend for a little while or in a hotel, not necessarily um, living rough, you know, tent living, that kind of thing, especially up here in the hills, it's a little colder. But, yep. um, but for sure, they are, if not homeless, close to it most of the time. So when when this first came about, um, and maybe you maybe you recall or don't um, or know the history, 
Was there uh, support from, you know, city officials, El Dorado County officials? Was there hesitation? How did the community feel about it? I don't think that there was much hesitation. There was definitely a deep need out mm-hmm. here for mm-hmm. for um, better access to, to some sort of housing for pregnant women. Um, many shelters don't allow pregnant women because there is a, a liability involved. There's a health liability involved. Um, and so we have always been very lucky, um, like I said, with our community. Um, we are connected with, we work very closely with the county offices, so we will get referrals from public health, we'll get mm-hmm. referrals from Marshall Medical. And because we're a close-knit community, many of the people who serve on the board over the time, over the time that we have been open have also served on boards for Marshall Medical or for mm-hmm. the Women's Fund or for El Dorado County Foundation. And as a result, they know who we are and they know what we do. So there's not as much trepidation. Sometimes the fear that a community has about a residential facility with it for transitional help is because they don't really understand exactly how people are being helped or what the need is. And because we're such a small community, it's nice that people really do know oh, that's wonderful. Um, I have, who we're serving. I, I have a niece who just graduated from uh, medical uh, from uh, nursing school, and uh, by golly, that's her first job was at Marshall Medical. So oh, good for her. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We are we, we are proudly affiliated with them. We we appreciate all that they do for our residents for sure. So you say you get referrals from county from from Marshall Medical from various places. How else do you get the word out? I, I always I always worry. Sometimes we have the Bishop Gayos people on, or we'll have Sacramento Life Center people, uh, things like that. And I know we've had some uh, uh, very pro life. Uh, programs out of Placerville on the air as well. I always worry that some people just, they're off the grid, if you will, and, and they don't know about this these services. Sure. Well, one of the things that we do is we make sure that the perinatal nurses through public health who are mm-hmm. working with some of the impacted um, uh, population that might benefit from our services have my card, have literature about the home as they're going and visiting different areas of the county. We also partake in, um, we'll we'll participate in health fairs. We make sure that we are reaching out regularly to um, different churches, um, different educational facilities. Mm -hmm. So we'll talk to you know, the, the Folsom Lake College has a branch up here. Right. We make sure that we that they know, you know, um, we just we're honestly we're on just always talking about what we do. <laughs> so. So so people can come as what if they have already have children? What if they have young children? Unfortunately, we don't have space for that. The mm-hmm. the house, as I said, was a convent. It was built with small bedrooms. You right, know? So right. our while while each of the women has her own room, it does have a twin bed and a wardrobe and, and a rocking chair and there's a built in vanity. So each woman has her own sink and mirror. <laughs> and so um really a bassinet is all else that would fit into that space. Right, right. And and so we do we work with other opportunities. There are a variety of 
um, programs for young families. They're not, they're few and far between, but there are a few of them and we will refer people. We also have um, residents, I have a resident in the home right now who has an almost two-year-old son. Her sister is watching that child so that she can avail herself of our services and he can still live in safety right now. So at three months when the child is born and then three months, where, where do they go mm-hmm. from there and how are they transitioned, if you will? So, so we spend a lot of time from the very first day that they get in here working with them, connecting them to county services where there are income-based housing opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, every place has a waiting list right now. So the faster that they can get on those kinds of, of opportunities, the better. Dependent on their circumstance, if, for example, they're coming out of a domestic violence situation, um, we can connect them with some organizations that work specifically with victims of domestic violence to help them rapid rehouse. So we are constantly working with them from the moment they get into the house, thinking about what they're going to be doing next, making those applications, working on that. And so a good portion of them are able to find either an apartment or a cohabitation, renting a room, renting a portion of a home. Um, There are a variety of ways that they find housing. Not everyone does find housing, but the ones that are not successful are also the ones who are not putting the work in. So, um, because we can't do it all for them. So. Wow. So if people uh, are you still, do you, do you need volunteers? Do you need uh what what can our listeners do to help you folks? Well, we we I'm not sure if you were they've seen we just recently reopened. We had huge storm damage in right. the beginning of right. 2023. Um, we were very very um, well connected with some phenomenal advocates for the home who were able to help us get that repaired and back into place. We are now, uh, you know, you asked about where do we draw from. Um, We do, we had traditionally only driven for our residents in El Dorado County, but as we were reopening, we were receiving more applications from Placer County and Sacramento County and Amador County, and even further afield on the other side of South Lake Tahoe. Um, And so we, we, because Marshall is a smaller hospital, we can't impact their OB office. So some too much, and so some of our residents will continue to see doctors in um, Roseville and in uh, Sacramento County, mm-hmm. um, and so so for us, we may be looking in the future for people to help with transportation. We're certainly going to be writing some grants for helping with the cost of transportation in the near future. Um, we run on a pretty shoestring budget, as most nonprofits do. Right. So at adding a, an expense always means adding an opportunity to find um, find somebody to help us with that. Yes. But, but we, we also have an Amazon wish list. If you go on our website, which is org, we have not only opportunities for monetary donations, but certainly at Christmas time, people like to give gifts. And we have an Amazon wish list of exactly what we need in the home right now, both for the residents and for the um, healthy running of the home. Very, very good. Well, Elizabeth, uh, appreciate you taking the time to be with us and uh, doing the the Lord's work up there in uh, 
in Placerville, and uh, blessings to you and and uh, everyone that you, you work with and your family. And uh, well, thank you so I much. hope our paths cross again soon. Staff. Yeah, absolutely. I do want to do a little shout out. My my staff is absolutely phenomenal, and I want to make sure that they hear me say that if they listen to the radio. So, Very good. <laughs> anyway, you have a lo- wonderful uh, Advent and a lovely Christmas, and we appreciate the opportunity to speak with you today. Oh, thanks so much. Uh, the same to you. That's Elizabeth Frey Thomas, director of the Mother Teresa Maternity Home up in Placerville in El Dorado County. That's going to do it for us for today. Thanks for listening, everyone. God bless. down